is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. He doesn't want to see the government shut down, which is why he has actually put forward a proposal. Uh, the big question is uh, for the Democrats, how long are they going to continue to do nothing to actually fix the problem? This is the fourth time the president has made an offer. The Democrats have not given an offer yet of what they're even for. That's becoming a real damage to Americans throughout this country. People are kidding themselves if they think the BuzzFeed story is going to be 100% wrong. I think that Michael Cohen is going to Congress to incriminate the president. That doesn't mean that it's true. Fusion GPS, once again, was a Clinton campaign paid for operations out there. Mm -hmm. So they were clearly involved in the setup of, of the Trump Tower meeting. So Fusion GPS and the Clinton campaign are all over it, probably behind it. We're desperate to get Trump out of office. And now, Stacey Washington. Wow, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Let's go to the phones. Um, I would love to speak to Marie. Thank you so much for joining the show today, Marie. Hello. Hi. Enjoy your program. I have two questions. One's quick. Do you know when the debate or the uh, State of the Union is going to be? Uh, it was scheduled for January 29th in the evening, uh, so next Tuesday. That, that's when it's scheduled for at the Congress. And now Nancy Pelosi's letter says that that is no longer the date that she will be receiving him. Oh, okay. Okay, well, another thing is I would like to know if somehow we could post um, for a commercial or somehow get to know which Congress representatives did not show up at the State of the Union so that we can get on them for that. That's so disrespectful. Well, I'm sure one of the the news uh, outlets will have a list of the people who don't show up. Normally, most of them show up. But if you're talking about for this new thing that the president might have to do from the Senate, uh, you know, the Senate building or or wherever, that is uh, I I know news outlets are going to be tracking that, especially on the right to see which congressmen don't show up. Um, But I think that's not going to be the problem. So they have a little bit of a schism in their conference. the, The Democrats do in the House. Not all of them want to see Nancy Pelosi deny the president an opportunity to use the chamber. And the reason that most of them don't, or I'd say some of them don't, a significant number of them don't, is because they know the shoe could be on the other foot and the Republicans could refuse for pretty much any reason at this point. The government shutdown is not a good enough reason to do this. So any reason could be used in the future to deny the president an opportunity to use the the House chamber. It's terribly rude and uh, is poor form when it comes to elected people honoring the people that they represent it's not actually nancy pelosi's chamber it's not like she owns it herself but you can see the power grubbing power hungry nature of her behavior and and what it's yielding us it's a terrible terrible thing that americans felt it necessary to give the house back to the democrats because now they're just running amok they just just their behavior is awful and it's embarrassing and um i can't understand how people can support it thank you marie for calling the show today um so I, I said we were going to cover, and I do want to talk about this, um, this biggest gun rights case since 2010. And it's really a simple matter. It's about um, the ability for people who are in the state of New York to travel from one place to another with their lawfully owned firearms. So not felons, 
people who have what is called a, uh, it's a permit to use your gun at home to, to defend yourself inside your home. In New York, you're only allowed to carry that gun un, unarmed, so it cannot be loaded. You can carry that firearm that you have a permit for to a gun range, but you can't carry it outside of the city of New York uh, or the city that the permit is for. So if you want to go to another gun range or you want to take your gun out to outstate New York and shoot outside or, you know, do something different with it, or if you own a second home, let's say in one of the more remote parts of the state, you have a cabin or a summer place or a winter place or whatever, you can't take your gun up there. And this is not for criminals. It's just for people who lawfully own their guns. And so this appears to be a, an infringement of the Second Amendment. And so this case, which was brought in 2013, I believe, has now made its, up, its way up to the Supreme Court. And they will hear it when they open their session next. So in October of next year, not this year, October of next year. Well, I'm sorry. Next session is October of 2019, not this current session. So that's when they'll hear this case. I think it's kind of fascinating that it's even happening this way. Um, oh, also, I wanted to share, we're going to have Sabine Durden, angel mom, son Dominic was killed by an illegal alien. Um, she lost her son to an illegal alien. She's going to come on the show and talk to us about that. And I can't wait to speak to her uh, and hear her story and just give her an opportunity to have some media attention where, you know, everybody else gets it, but not these parents of kids who've been, their lives are shattered by uh, illegal alien crime. And it just doesn't seem to matter because they're not on the right side politically. And so the lives don't matter. But her son's life matters to us. And she's going to be on the show next segment to join us to talk about that. So now you may have heard that uh, Adam Schiff has a powerful new position in the House, which is normal. Whichever party takes over control of the body gets to determine committee, you know, who's, who's on this committee, who's not. And so Adam Schiff has a new job and he's pretty puffed up about it. And Devin Nunez was reacting to that. Here he is in number two. Well, I think it's important for the viewers to know, Ed, that BuzzFeed is a critical player in this. BuzzFeed was the first news outlet to print the dossier. This was the Clinton mm -hmm. paid for dirt gleaned from the Russian, Russian act activists or, or some type of Russian officers, intelligence people given to Christopher Steele and BuzzFeed published this information. Yep. Okay, so BuzzFeed, along with dozens and dozens of actors of, of news media people, have staked their entire careers on this Russian gambit. And yeah. so they are desperate. So every week we have something new, something comes up that this is the end all be all. And it just so happens that last week BuzzFeed, you know, I think was looking for a Hail Mary pass and it just didn't work. So. I mean, look, this whole BuzzFeed thing is going to be um, it's going to be in the news because the Democrats want it there. And I've, I've, I've talked about it a little bit. But remember, whenever you hear something about this BuzzFeed story about Michael Cohen, which was unsourced and unverified, think about the dossier. When you think about the dossier, it was unsourced and unverified. And BuzzFeed was the only outlet that would see fit to publish it. Remember, all of the other media outlets had it. They wouldn't publish it because it was unsourced and unverified. And they knew the source part of, part of the sourcing of it was opposition research. And opposition research is not you don't build stories off opposition research. You can say to yourself, wow, this oppo research has some really interesting 
information in it. Let me go investigate it and get my own sources and get my own corroboration, my own proof, emails, letters, tapes of phone calls, witnesses who will verify using their name that, yes, this happened, provide proof that, of the, that they might have, audio of phone calls that they recorded, whatever. Then you can write a story because you've investigated and you've actually participated in a little something that Americans used to know as journalism. Then it's a story. It's not a story if you just take a book that is written as an opposition research document and you say, wow, this all looks interesting, and then you publish it. That's not journalism. If it was, there'd be a lot more interesting stories out there. Almost every news outlet would look like the National Enquirer, which actually has a pretty decent record of breaking stories for it to be a gossip rag. So that kind of circles us around to another subject that has really been a thorn in the side of the Democrats, which was during the first two years of the president's uh, administration, they were able to get a record number of judges appointed. And the, the Democrats don't want that because they use the judicial system as a de facto legislative arm. Anything they can't get through Congress, anything they can't get through their local legislatures in the state house because they have no power in the states right now, then they just go to the judges. And the judges are all liberals and they know what to do. They give them the rulings that the Democrats want. And if that doesn't work and conservatives or regular Americans who aren't political at all but are being, you know, foit, have their, their will being completely subverted by Democrats, then they'll appeal and the appellate courts are packed with liberal activist judges. And so they will deliver the rulings that the Democrats want. If by chance they get a conservative ruling, they just then you shop and go to another venue and say, we have standing in this venue and we want this judge to rule on it. Well, they won't be able to do that because there are so many vacancies right now and the president still has two more years in office. And remember, all of these things are hinging on getting Trump out of office. Joy Behar was not kidding when she said, we just want him out of office so bad. Because they know the longer he's in office, the more conservative judges he puts in, the more he reshapes the judiciary at the federal level, the more he's able to undo the pen and the phone of Barack Obama and his temporary presidency. Because like it or not, as historic as it was, because he wasn't able to negotiate with Congress and do anything legislatively, huge portions of Barack Obama's legacy can be wiped out the same way they were put in pen and phone, executive order. So Trump has nominated 51 judges at once, enough to fill one third of all court vacancies in a sweeping move to further influence federal courts with conservative picks. These are judges who saw no action in the last Congress because the Democrats are using a procedural move that enables them to tie the nominees up in committee so that they're never voted on because they don't have the votes to stop it because Harry Reid used the nuclear option to eliminate the the supermajority, you had to have 61 votes. Now you only need 51. They don't have enough to stop it. So they're tying everybody up. So they have a huge list here of the ones that have been nominated. I'm not going to read that to you, but there was a statement from Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. He says, I truly appreciate the, tr the prompt attention President Trump and his White House team have shown to judicial nominations. I also appreciate the list of 51 impressive judicial nominations to fulfill the Senate's constitutional role in advice and consent. He added that his panel will try to confirm as many as possible as soon as possible. So right now, according to one tally, Donald Trump has put 30 judges on the United States Court of Appeals and 53 judges 
for the United States District Courts. He's filled two Supreme Court vacancies. And should the Senate move quickly to approve his picks, as it has done so far, the 51 picks would fill one-third of the 146 vacancies. And then it has a list of the nominees. I think this is important. And um, I'm, I'm mainly interested in... So when it was Obama's turn to fill judicial picks, he did so. The Senate honored his picks. They had hearings. They asked the tough questions. But the Republicans did not refuse to allow him to place judges he wanted to place on the bench, even though they knew it would have lasting ramifications. Cases would be decided in ways that were judicial activism instead of adhering to the Constitution. They knew this would happen, but they allowed it uh, because it, it, it's, the way this, it's the way it works. Elections have consequences. I have yet to hear one Democrat say that phrase. They trumpeted it. Oh, every time... I would complain out someone would email me or tweet me elections have consequences. Well, I knew that I knew elections had consequences. So what, you know, like, so what if I, what, what is the point of saying that if I, if I'm acknowledging that this is happening because Americans voted these people in, but there's no such matter of factness coming from the left right now. You notice that? They do not care that elections have consequences. In their minds, elections are for overturning. When they don't go your way, you just keep fighting and resisting, which, what do you call it when your child is resisting your leadership? What do you call it when someone that you have authority over resists your direct orders, your instructions, your wishes? It's, you don't say, oh, you're resisting you say, oh, you're disobeying. You're not following the rules. You're not following the law. You're not, a, you're not operating within your contract. You're not doing what you agreed to do. You're breaking our agreement. These are the way, that, that's how adults talk. Resisting sounds a lot like a euphemism for what toddlers do when they don't get their way. They resist the leadership of their parents by throwing a tantrum, by, you know, throwing their head back on the floor, you know, th- ripping stuff down off of... Uh, like candy down off of racks when they don't get the, the you, you know what I'm saying. They get upset. This prolonged temper tantrum has got to stop. I mean, it just it's, makes no sense. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Sabine Durden. She's an angel mom, and um, I can't wait to hear from her. She'll be with us right after this. Over the past few years, the AFR family has teamed up with India Partners to help rescue young children from Mumbai's red light district. Through your gifts, new safe houses have been built and existing homes have been expanded, allowing more children to have their basic needs met. They're being taught who Jesus is and about his love for them. Payel was one of the children rescued. I came to know about Jesus. After I came over to this safe house, I didn't know anything about Jesus. But after I came over here, my life changed. AFR staff members will visit these safe houses in January. They would like to bring some personal notes from you to remind these children that they are loved and are being prayed for. Would you please join us in providing a note of encouragement? You can find all the details and where to send your letter by visiting AFR.net. That's AFR.net. We hope you'll join us as we share God's love with these precious children by writing a simple note of encouragement. Visit AFR.net, AFR.net. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Earlier this month, we saw two contrasting views of how to create jobs and raise wages. After Nancy Pelosi was re-elected Speaker of the House, she gave a speech that outlined what she and her fellow Democrats wanted to do to help American workers. She said she would champion the middle class and all those who aspire to it. So how did she plan to do this? She said she would increase paychecks in rebuilding America with green and modern infrastructure. As I've discussed in previous commentaries, the plan for a Green New Deal was tried before without much success. Moreover, it is difficult to see how that will raise wages. The day after she spoke, the Labor Department released the December jobs report. Employers created 312,000 new jobs. There was also an upward revision of 58,000 jobs for October and November. This was incredibly good news for American workers. The unemployment rate rose from 3.7% to 3.9%, but even that was good news because about 419,000 workers joined the labor force and were rushing back to work. Also of note was the fact that manufacturers added 32,000 jobs in December. During the Obama administration, manufacturing employment fell by 210,000. In the first two years of the Trump administration, it has risen by 473,000 jobs. I will leave it to economists to debate what policies should get credit for an outstanding jobs report. It seems pretty obvious to me that cutting taxes last year and cutting regulations the last two years explains what is happening in the economy. The first week of the new year provided two different visions of how to create jobs, raise wages, and grow the economy. The latest jobs report helps us see what is working. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Skypass Entertainment, The Least of These, The Graham Stain Story, The Least of These, rated PG-13, in theaters February 1st, The Least of These dot movie. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here today. Follow us at StacyOnTheRight.com, at StacyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram, where you find all the fun, different content that we put up there. And uh, we just appreciate having you listening to our program. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Sabina Durden. She's an angel mom. Her son, Dominic, was killed by an illegal alien. Uh, Sabina, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Stacy. It's really an honor. So can you share with us exactly what happened to your son? Absolutely. Um, I'm a legal immigrant from Germany. Uh, my son and I, with his dad, uh, divorced now, but back then came uh, from Germany to America. And we had to go through extensive testing and all kinds of things that you do when you enter another country. We lived in California, and Dominic started working for the Sheriff's 911 Dispatch Center in Riverside. Uh, and on July 11, 2012, he took my fiancé and myself uh, to the airport in Ontario. We hugged, kissed, and saw each other for the very last time. Thank God I didn't know that, because on July 12, at 5.45 in the morning, while he was on his way to work, about two miles from the house, he was riding his motorcycle and an illegal alien with two prior felonies, two DUIs, one deportation, uh, no license, no insurance, no registration, turned his truck in front of my son and hit him so hard that it killed him instantly and threw him into a wall 
on the sidewalk, and thank God there were two Marines behind him in a car who had to witness this horrific slaughter. And one stayed with Dominic, and the other one chased the guy down because he was trying to run away. So what has been the reaction? Because I, I, when I was uh, talking about you joining us today, I mentioned that you know, stories like yours are so heartbreaking and it's so unimaginable. I'm, my husband and I, we have children and I just, this, this is where you just have to kind of like, you're trying to separate yourself, but you can't, yeah. you can't separate yourself from this story because this is your story. This is your son. You can't get away from this. This is the reality that you live with now. Yet what we're seeing in Washington, DC is this, it, it's, it's like there's two there's two Americas. There's one where this matters, and then there's yes. another America where people are elected, where oh, stories well, like Dominic's don't matter. Yes, absolutely. And the saddest part is when it happened, I didn't know when I got the call that my only child, he was my only child, he called himself German Chocolate, mm-hmm. his dad is black, and, and he was German. Um, my only child was gone. I thought it was an accident, only to find out because another police officer whispered in my ear that I need to ask the DA, find out that the DA and the judge knew him. They had him in custody. They had him twice. And the last time he had a a, a DUI without a license, Mm -hmm. they gave him probation. He was caught again on probation driving drunk. They gave him probation again, and then five weeks later he killed Dominic. And I found out it... It, it matters whether you're an illegal because you, the, the law is, is not applied to you same as it would be to an American. If you or I would hit somebody, it's an accident. If we don't have a license, if we had done this before and, and ignored our laws, or, or God forbid, be in a different country, we might not ever be heard from again. And yet I find out illegals have different rights, more rights than Americans have because the guy who killed my son received a misdemeanor without gross negligence. The judge told us he gave him a deal. He has to honor his word. And the guy served, out of nine months and five-year probation, he served 35 days. Wow. And like you said, it seems like it's a divided America where before the left was okay with building border walls and securing our country. And all of a sudden it changed. And the hatred for our president is so loud in our faces that they would rather offer up more Americans than fixing this once and for all. And so I want to reiterate, Sabina, you said if he had simply been in custody for his previous crimes, he wouldn't have been out and able to commit the crime that he committed that destroyed your son's life. And so when you look at the, the discussion that's going on with the, with the, the you know, there, there's all this uh, back and forth. And it seems, like, it seems like a game to some of these yeah. people in Washington, D.C., especially Nancy Pelosi. She was actually confronted by a mom who'd lost a child to, just as you have, to illegal alien crime. And she said she would pray and think about the mm-hmm. woman. And, you know, so her, her response was completely detached. It was this, she was talking about a broken teacup or something, you know, something yes, easily I know replaced. That, I know the angel mom, Laura Wilkinson. She's a friend yes. of mine. Sadly, I know way too many angel mom and dad. And that response, I listened to it. I, my blood was boiling. Absolutely boiling. And I was in D.C. last week. I was in her office with others. 
And I asked his, her secretary, what if I just walk through the door unannounced? You don't know who I am. You don't know my intentions. What are you going to do? I'm going to start walking right now. She said, I wouldn't advise you to do that. And I know they would have called um, Capitol Police to, to arrest me. Mm, yeah, because you're an American citizen, and American well, citizens get arrested. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> we follow the law, and it took me six years to become a citizen. So I take the flag. I take America in, in at, at, at the highest value because I earned the right to be here. I didn't just drag my son through a through border fence and underneath a fence and through deserts and told everybody, well, I'm here now, you got to take care of me and my family. Um, the saddest part is, um, Stacey, that a lot of Americans still think that it wouldn't happen to them. And I have to wake them up because, and um, when I talk about illegal aliens, I don't care if they're from Mexico, from Guatemala, from Sweden, from Germany. Mm-hmm. They have no right to be here. So it's not a race issue because I get not called Nazi and racist and Hitler's bride and whatever else they want to throw at me to shut me up, which just gives me more fire. I know. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, that, it has happened. to. It has to. You have to keep talking about this. Absolutely. What, everyone oh, needs to hear it. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad because, um, you know, there. you said you know way too many angel moms. Sometimes yes. I'll see the stories, you know, they kind of come through your news feed or, or I'll see someone being interviewed somewhere and I'll, and I'll yeah. read the story. And I, I'll, the, the, the thread that goes through is usually the person who is killed is literally minding their own business, yeah. just doing something that any one of us could be doing. Absolutely. Any yeah. one of us yeah. could be driving to work or coming from work or, yeah. or, you know, or in the situation. family members. Right. We are right. out there and we're exposed to those who drive without a license, drunk, um, not paying attention, and the saddest part is a lot of times I hear, well, he could have been killed by an American. And I tell him, sure, he could have, but he wasn't. Now what? Well, not yeah. only wasn't he, but so now statistics are showing that 10% of drunk driving in this company, uh, in this country is done by illegal aliens. Yeah. So if you could reduce drunk driving accidents and deaths by 10% by simply yeah. sealing the border, why wouldn't we do it? Right, and the... When I hear statistics of, well, illegals or un- they like to call them undocumented immigrants, which really uh, makes me angry because I'm an immigrant. No, they are illegal aliens. That's the definition by law, and it's not a cuss word. It's just what it is. But I don't care if they commit 5%, 10%, 50%. We should have 0% of crime by illegal aliens because they should not be here. I don't care why they're here. I don't care what their reason is because I cannot just walk into a nice big house and sit down and say, okay, I didn't like my house, so I want to stay here now and I want you to take care of me. Well, no. Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) called called squatting. I mean, there's (laughs) what's funny is there's a law about all of these things. There's So we don't have to make anything up. We don't need new laws. We actually have laws covering all of these things. Absolutely true. We just need to enforce them. That, that's all it takes. It's not really that difficult. And then close these loopholes. The birthright citizenship, it was never designed for illegal. And why, yeah. would, why would we have somebody come over illegally pregnant, pay for their prenatal, pay for their birth uh, costs and hospital bill, and then set them up with Medicare when our own cannot afford that and don't get that privilege? We have too many 
American children, too many veterans that are in dire need. And we handing over about $155 billion a year because of illegal? It's enraging. So what do you think about the most recent proposal that President Trump has put forward in an effort to open up the government? It extends, you know, temporary status to TPS recipients and also the so-called dreamers for three years um, in exchange for the border wall funding, which I, I understand the urgency there. What, what did you think of the proposal? Well, like you said, I understand something needs to be done, but I never like to hear the word amnesty at any point because that word creates more caravans. It, it creates another, um, oh, let's, let's rush in here. Let's, because we know that DACA, there's so much fraud as far as paperwork, and when they call them dreamers, which really is an insult because we have American dreamers that can't dream anymore like my son. Um, I, I wish he wouldn't have put that on the table, but because I'm not president, um, I have to wait and see what happens. And, and he's a brilliant uh, man who, who's working it, who's, who has done far more for us than anybody else. And I, I voted, sadly, I voted for the previous president because I believed that he would bring change. And he did. It was just not good for us. Mm. But this president, I've been with him. I met him. I've been in private meetings with him at the White House. He mm. remembers. He looks at you. He means what he says, and he says what he means. So I'm praying that this is a way of getting the government running again, having our American people paid. but getting something uh, done for the security of our country. It's just, I don't like the word amnesty. I never did. Me either. I think it, it like you said, it may, it brings more caravans and it makes yeah. it possible for them to venue shop and get more cases yeah. um, where they can get people who were not a part of the original amnesty. They then go in and they try to yeah. get added to it. I mean, it's, it's a really... I think the thing about it, Sabina, that we don't take into consideration because we don't spend all of our time trying to find ways to get around laws yeah. is that there are people who do, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're currently sitting there, there waiting. Yeah, yeah a whole group of people. Business. Yeah, and not just the lawyers, but the people themselves are in yeah. foreign countries. And when they hear amnesty, they're like, oh, so if they right. do this, then we can yeah. just use this law and we can become citizens too. Well, um, it's like a lottery. Begin and say we're 15 and we're 25 and... Yeah, my mama brought me over. Really, mm-hmm. where she had? Well, she's hiding. And yeah, this paperwork, yeah, just bought it at the swap meet. I got three for $200. It, it's incredible the, 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 the fraud that is happening with all that. So for me, with DACA, I always like to, and people look at me a little strange, I like to compare it to Disneyland when uh, mom and dad drag their kids and sneak into Disneyland and they get busted. They don't keep the kid in there because, well, you know, he's been here a couple hours. That's all he knows for right now. But we're going to kick the parents out. No, they kick all three of them out. And as far as them not speaking the language of their home country, most of them translate for their parents. A lot of them travel back and forth. Um, So all these stories that we hear, why is there so much sympathy for illegals, for illegal law-breaking behavior while we have Americans that people are uh, shunning, that people are not listening to. You know, uh, I get death threats. I get called the most horrible and vile names. The worst thing I heard one time was, I'm so glad you're NN 
end dot 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 son is dead because now he's skinny and white. Wow. That's an American telling another American about the death of their child because their concern is more for illegals. And it blows my mind because I'm doing this so nobody else has to. I have well, no family left. This was it. No, I, I just, I, I can't stand it. There's that, there's what you just shared, but there's also that it just didn't have to happen. I, exactly. I can't get away from that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I understand that we have people who dr- drive drunk in our country. We of have course. people who are criminals. We have all these things in our country. We, we always will have people yes. who break the law, but we don't have to have more. That, that's exactly. my thing. We, you know, it's like saying, well, I have a leak. So let me turn on all the faucets in my house and flood the whole house instead of just handling the leak because I have a leak in one spot, so I might as well flood the whole house. Yes. That's crazy. That's, exactly. That doesn't make any sense. And American criminals, sadly, have a right to be here. <laughs> yeah. And we deal with them because we can find out if John Paul is really living at, the, at that address or where he was before. Whereas with Juan Soon Lopez, who killed my son, he had a different identity. He had different addresses. He didn't have a license. He lived at different places. And after a while, they've given up and just let them go. And the saddest part is it took my fiancé, Anthony, and myself a year and a half to get him deported because I started to wake up. I started to get loud, and we would go to the detention center where they held him in the desert in California. And one of the ICE agents called me and said, you need to be here as often as you can. Because sometimes we get a note from the top to tell us to open the back door. Mm. That is some brutal information, knowing that they're overcrowded, and sometimes they let them out. Crossing their fingers, well, let's hope he won't do it again. Which we all know know they do. They do, but they do go kill again. That's how Kate Stiley was killed. Because the guy, he was released on early release, and he'd been deported a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, and Stacy, the, the guy who killed Dominic, I have a really ugly feeling in the gut of, in in my gut, because he never apologized. He told the judge, I, "God gives life, God takes life." I was only on my way to work. That was his way of of skirting the responsibility of what he's done. He was so flippant that after he even during the hearing, he got to bail out for ten thousand dollars cash by a federal judge's order. And he came back. We thought he would sleep. He would leave the country. He was so arrogant, he came back because, well, nothing happened to him before. He got a slap on the wrist. Don't drive. He drove. He got more probation. Well, Sabina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I offer my sincere condolences on the loss of your son. Thank you for the work that you're doing to prevent other parents from going through that. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Speaker of the House Pelosi is unwilling to negotiate on any portion of the president's request for border wall funding, even going so far as to suggest that since the government is shut down, the president should postpone giving the State of the Union address. In response, President Trump took the common sense step of canceling the authorization for a military plane for Pelosi's congressional delegation to Afghanistan, Egypt and Brussels. No one minded Nancy deciding single-handedly that the president should not have his State of the Union, But liberals across the land are wailing in agony over the cancellation of a very expensive trip abroad for the Speaker of the House. Isn't that double standard glaring? It's time for the Democrats, specifically Speaker Nancy Pelosi, to buckle down and negotiate to fund the wall at the southern border. 
That is what they are paid to do by American taxpayers. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. The Awakening on Urban Family Talk. You know, a bunch of people who thought Obama was the Messiah. There are a lot of people who are kind of treating Trump like that. Bishop E.W. Jackson. Folks, I'm not looking for a Messiah. I've already got one. His name is Jesus, the Son of the living God. We put our ultimate trust in him. All other human beings are fallible. The Awakening, weekday mornings at 9 central on Urban Family Talk. Lonnie Poindexter. Don't ever ask God for patience. <laughs> Just say, oh, Lord, help me to be more patient. No, don't do that. Well, why, Lonnie? Why shouldn't I do that? He'll give it to you, but you're not going to like how you get it. <laughs> well, Lonnie, what do you mean? How do you get patience? Trials and tribulations, my brethren. That's how you get it. Lion Chasers. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. This is Fox on Justice. The coroner is calling it a homicide, and local citizens want justice. Pass is incomplete, no flag. Yes, we're talking about the non-pass interference call in the NFC Championship game on Fox. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints' sideline. We all thought that we should win, we should have won that game. Max Unger of the New Orleans Saints speaking for anguished fans after the loss to the Rams. The St. Tammany Parish coroner says the Saints' season died due to blunt force trauma to the head and chest. And now New Orleans lawyer Frank D'Amico is filing a lawsuit asking a court to order Commissioner Roger Goodell to invoke NFL Rule 17, Section 2, Article 3, which gives the commissioner the power to take corrective measures when a game is extraordinarily unfair. D'Amico would have the league throw the flag for pass interference, turn back the clock, and replay the rest of the game. Talk about your legal Hail Mary. With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It was an odd week. You know, they started out the week by by really castigating Bill Barr for a rather scholarly uh, memorandum on the use of obstruction with regard to one possible count, the firing of James Comey. And the Democrats and the media went crazy and said, oh, my God, you're speculating. You have no idea what Mueller has. By the end of the week, they jumped all over BuzzFeed and said that impeachment and indictment seemed imminent. And what I think it does show is that there is a an initial bias in, in what goes into a lot of these stories. Bill Barr was perfectly right in writing that memo. His memo was actually quite good. And I also don't criticize BuzzFeed. If they actually had two people right. associated with Mueller saying this, it was news. It was what the media did with the article that is so disturbing. Yeah, exactly. It's what they did with it that was so disturbing. Make no mistake about it. Michael Cohen, as a part of his plea arrangement, uh, the Democrats are saying, you know, you don't want to be in any more trouble. You don't want us to get you in even more hot water. You made a plea arrangement, but before you are completely off the hook, we are going to want you to come in and say some things and you'd better make it sound good. Uh, I saw a story on Drudge that uh, Cohen has postponed his testimony because he says he's being threatened by Trump and Giuliani. Doesn't that just play into the, the, the narrative? You would only threaten someone if they were going to say something that you didn't like. In other words, more smearing of the president. I have to keep going back to, so, you know, the, the, obviously it looks bleak, it looks terrible, but I keep going back to justice and 
praying that God would intervene here because what we're seeing is it's a battle for the very direction of this country. Do you want to be able to express yourself publicly and say, uh, my Bible says that um, the marriage is between one man and one woman and God. And so that's what I believe. Or do you want to be forced to say, I no longer believe that because it's wrong and it's bigoted and the Bible doesn't even say that. Do you want other people telling you what you can and can't believe, what you can and can't do what, in, in relation to teaching your kids what God's word says? Maybe you run a Christian organization. You want to be told that you can't have uh, your Christian organization unless you hire someone who's a homosexual or someone who's gender confused. This is where it is already happening in California. If the state legislature in California can tell a privately owned company that it has to have a woman on its board of directors. Next, they'll say you have to have someone who's LGBT. We need representation. Do you see? Because it, it always sounds so good. Well, women are underrepresented on boards. They're underrepresented if all you're looking at is raw numbers. But if you're looking at skill sets, what business does a woman who has no background in engineering or math or science have on a board of a company of engineers or mathematicians or scientists. Now, your response is naturally going to be, well, Stacey, of course there are women out there with degrees in math and science and, and engineering. Yes, there are. There are plenty of young women, middle-aged women, and elderly women who have degrees in those areas. But if they were interested in being on the board of directors, wouldn't they have already gone out for that position? So... That's what's so funny to me about us being bean counters about who's appeared where. You have to have this many people over here and have to have that many people over there. Who are we to decide where someone belongs? Who are we to decide what someone can or cannot have? The power to choose to be, so this, this is the power that women are currently working so hard to give up in America. And that is that in America, and America alone, and, and this is actually dwindling in popularity, but it's still true here. You can actually raise your daughter up and get her interested in math and science, technology, engineering, whatever. S send her to college. She can get a bachelor's degree, even a master's degree, a doctorate in science, math, technology, engineering, art, history, music, whatever. And then your daughter can say, I've met the man of my dreams and we're going to start our family. And so after she graduates from that last, you know, however much hundreds of thousands of dollars of education she's just procured, she can then go right into marriage with her new husband and work part time or job share in her career field until they start a family and then start cranking out the babies, one, two, six, whatever their choice. And she can stay home with those kids and homeschool them, or she can be the number one volunteer in their school district and go on all the field trips and plan all the kindergarten socials. These are choices that women in America have because the expectation is you want your daughter to go as far as she wants to go educationally. You want them to achieve and excel, but they're not required to then go out and work in that career field full time and make a name for themselves and carve out a huge career and compete with their husband for who can earn more. And so the dynamics for women are that once you're done with school, I, I see it happen all the time. Girls go to, they go to college, they start working, they go into the teaching field or whatever. But when it's time to have the babies, they want to stop working and they want to have time to raise those babies into at least preschool age or possibly, you know, grammar school age. They want to take five years off. 
which means that while they're off at home with the babies and doing all of the mom play dates and, and teaching their children how to sit up and walk and, you know, talk and then read and then add and, you know, whatever, the men are still working and they're putting in 50 to 60 hours a week and they're still climbing that ladder and they're climbing it even faster than they would if they weren't married. Studies show that men who are single do not achieve the same kind of heights business-wise. Statistically, the married men outperform the single men. And it's because they know they've got a family at home and they're competing for that, that promotion or what have you because it means things are easier at home. They have more money to spend on housing or school or whatever the, the needs are. So women have a natural bent towards wanting to make a home and childbearing. So it, now, obviously... This is not 100% of women. There are women out there who they want a career, they go get their education, and they're not interested in staying home and making a, a home and, and family and all that. They'd rather have help or a nanny or no children at all. And that's true. But statistically speaking, the natural bent of women is towards making a home and beginning a family and raising kids, which means by the time you get to the level in your career where you're like, you know what? I've, I've been around, I've managed, I've, I've worked at a few different places, and now I really want to add my expertise to a board. I want to sit on a board and help make decisions for a corporation. At that point, there are fewer women to choose from because so many women have taken a detour and stayed at home with the kids. And oftentimes when they do go back to work, it is in a part-time capacity or it's, it's in a way that still enables them to be primarily, they're, they're, they're still the school bus after school. They're still the, the concierge of all the activities, keeping the calendars, making sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. And so that means there are fewer women to choose from for these board positions. Now, am I saying that there aren't qualified women out there who've gone out for board positions and been overlooked because they didn't have connections or some other guy was the golfing buddy and so they didn't get it? Absolutely not. That's real. It is real that the networks that you create can be conduits for opportunities. But shoehorning women onto boards is an infringement on the right to freely associate that is constitutionally protected. And they're doing it in California, which means they want to do it in Missouri and Alabama and Texas and Georgia. They want to do it all over the country. They want to do it in Oklahoma. They want to do it all over. But they'll do it in California first. And they'll get the kinks out and make sure they have the iron fist with which to do it and set that precedent. And then you'll have to spend every bit of money you've got, every bit of your savings to try to fight it all the way to the Supreme Court. Unless you can find a nonprofit with lawyers who want to work pro bono to protect the freedoms that we have that we're just tossing away because women aren't being treated fairly. Women needs to be on boards. Women's protect all women's unless those women are conservatives or pro-life or or hold the different kinds of views that you don't like. So I, I'm, I think it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this is where we are and that women in America are buying into this trap from the Democrats. Because if, if you look, just look at, let's take Chelsea Clinton, for instance. They just announced that they're expecting their third child. So Chelsea Clinton, because she comes from a, a family of privilege, uh, she can, you know, and she's married into money. And of course, her parents have a ton of money. And so therefore she has money herself and she is right now working on building a family, you know, having kids, staying home with kids, et cetera, et cetera. And aside from the off political speech that she gives for a half a million dollars here or there, or the children's book that she cranks out, you know, to, to kind of just keep her name out there and her ridiculous Twitter feed, 
She really has nothing to do except hobnob around in Manhattan. She has a multi-million dollar apartment there, penthouse, and she can push her, you know, $1,200 stroller with her kids in it. And, you know, her nannies can help out and she can spend time with her mom and the mom and dad's different, many different homes. And she's, she's doing what she wants to do. But the moment she wants to jump back into politics and run for office, it will be a given that she can jump back in. All American women do not have the same level of privilege that Hillary Clinton has to be able to do all of those things without any concern for money. But we all do have the right to do those things based on the freedoms that we have in this country where we're not required to work. We're not required to stay home. We're not required to get an education. We're not required not to get an education. We're not prevented from it. The freedoms are all there. It's a trick of the enemy to convince women in America that we're oppressed and we don't have any rights and we're mistreated. There are women who are abused and mistreated. There are women who are sold into sexual slavery and trafficked. There are women who are forced by men to engage in prostitution. But on the norm, on the whole, on the lawful side of our country, women are protected, elevated, and are currently outperforming men on all of the indices that indicate a healthy society. So it's, it doesn't benefit us to buy into these lies Instead of putting our energy into trying to feel like victims as women, we should be putting our energies into protecting women like Sabina Durden, protecting the children of America that are currently at risk of this horrible, it's, it's a, it's a devastation. You, we don't know who it will touch next. We don't know for what reason we, we just, someone's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like the illegal alien said, you know, it could happen to anyone. Anyone could be taken at any time. Well, if you got a whole bunch of illegal aliens running around, I guess so. But if you seal the southern border and start deporting these people and getting them out of here, then what? And the unintended consequence, there are always some, is that we'll have less cheap labor here. And so companies will have to be innovative and figure out how to attract talent by giving them some other perks if they can't pay them a ton, give them some other perks or benefits that work for them so that they can get these workers in here and they can be Americans. And the other unintended consequence that I sincerely believe in is that the dreamers, the ones who they say they don't speak any Spanish or Guatemalan or whatever, you send them back there and they're used to being in a country like this. You send them back to Guatemala where they belong and they change their country. They go down there and start, look, this is not the way a government office is supposed to be run. They start going in and changing it for the better. Instead of expecting everyone who comes from a garbage country to end up in America, how about they go fix the country that they come from? So if you're here lawfully, welcome. You, you belong here. You're an American citizen or you're a green card holder or what have you, and you belong here. There's nothing wrong with that. But for people who are here illegally, they must go back to their home country to change it. You like America? Make your country more like America. Instead of trying to make America more like your country by bringing your crime and your socialist tendencies to us. Prime example of this, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a woman who should be kissing the ground every day she gets up. She should be kissing it and saying, no, thank you, Lord, for letting me be here. Her parents are immigrants. Instead, she's here. She's been educated in our colleges and universities and now She's in Congress advocating for the very policies that made her parents leave her previous home country. And like Sabina said, we have enough of our own criminals. We have enough of our own homegrown 
idiotic socialists. Ocasio-Cortez belongs to us. We can't deport her. We can't get rid of her. We have to keep putting up with her. So why in the world would we bring more in to do the same thing? We're all full up. Our crazy bowl is full. We got Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, also an American citizen, we did the, and Nancy Pelosi. Between the three of them and also the Clintons, we don't have any more room. We're all full up. We can't take any more of these kinds of people here. If you like socialism, you don't have to come here. You can go to Venezuela where they already have it. Your home country has the socialism too. You can have it there. I just find it, it's kind of unbelievable that, 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 that that's what we're dealing with. So I want to listen to this last little bit of audio as we go out of the program today. It's uh, Steny Hoyer, of all people, a Democrat, saying that physical barriers are a part of the solution to improve border security. It's number three. Look, I think uh, physical barriers are a part of the solution. Uh, so you don't and, uh, share Nancy Pelosi's view that a wall is immoral? Uh, look, I, I think it, it depends upon what a wall is used for, whether it's moral or immoral. Uh, if, if it's protecting people, it's moral. If it's uh, imprisoning people, it may well be immoral. But that's not the issue. The issue is we want border security. We want to make sure that people who come in the United States of America are authorized to do so, and we know that they've come in. We don't want contraband. We don't want drugs coming in. We don't want dangerous people coming into the country. Understood. So we're for border security, and I think uh, we can get there. By the way, haters, the line is at the back, and I am not reading your emails today. I am automatically muting them, which means I am blacklisting your IP address, which means I will never hear from you again. Welcome to the line of haters, and God bless you to everyone else. I hope you have a fantastic evening. I'm back with you tomorrow with more Stacy on the Right here on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio.